as the 2021 college football season approaches, we wanted to take a look at the Power 5 conferences. Hi everyone, this is Summer and we are glad to be back for another college football season. I am glad to be joined by my guys, Billy and Kenneth. Billy is going to give you the best sports betting analysis and Kenneth is going to give you the best game breakdown. You can follow us on Twitter at CrunchTimeVIP and please visit our website at www.CrunchTimeSportsAdvantage.com. On our website, you will find great articles, links to our podcasts, and our YouTube channel. We have some great packages for those looking to wager on the upcoming college football season whether it is a particular conference or college football. With more states adding legalized sports betting, this season you can have your sports advantage by putting our team to work for you. Each week you will have access to our research and analysis both before the game and any in-game plays. For more details you can send us an email at contact at crunchtimesportsadvantage.com or at a direct message on Twitter. Now, Billy is going to give you the projected win totals for each team in the SEC Conference. It is great to be back with you and Kenneth for this season. Here are the projected win totals for each team in the conference. Alabama 11.5, Georgia 10.5, Florida 9, Arkansas 6, Auburn 7, Ole Miss 7.5, Texas A&M 9.5, Kentucky 7, LSU 8, Tennessee 6, Vanderbilt 3.5, Missouri 7, South Carolina 4, and Mississippi State is at 6. All right, so let's start with the SEC East, and up first will be the Vanderbilt Commodores. Commodores went 0-9 last season, and we'll be able to take a look at their numbers and see exactly why why that's the case, both on the offensive side and the defensive side. Vandy averaged 14.8 points per game, dead last in the SEC. On average, 33 pass attempts, 21 uh, completions good for about 63.8% completion percentage. That was seventh in the SEC, but only amassed 219.9 yards per game passing. That was good for 11th in the conference. Ran the ball about 36 and a half times per game, only 110 uh, yards per game on the ground, 13th in the conference. And that was good for uh, three yards per carry. This team ran about 70 plays per game. That was fourth in the conference, but only 330 yards per game of total offense, 13th in the SEC. As far as their defense goes, uh, Vandy's defense gave up 37.3 points per game, uh, 13th in the conference. Their opponents, uh, about 33 pass attempts per game, about 25 completions. That was 74 I'm sorry, 73.4% uh, last in the SEC. Allowed 296.4 yards per game through the air, 12th in the conference. And their opponents attempted about 34 rush attempts, 191 yards per game on the ground. That was 11th in the conference, 5.7 yards per carry. Just not going to get it done in a conference like the SEC with those numbers. Uh, their opponents ran about 60 seven plays per game that was fourth and they allowed 487.9 yards per game in total offense that was 12th in the sec uh we know that vandy fired their head coach Derek mason bringing in uh vandy alum um to take over the the reins there um in nashville and clark lee has a a daunting task in front of him uh, not only at his alma mater but uh, turning around an anemic offense and a defense that simply just could not get off the field. But uh, there were some seeds planted last year that could uh, 
pay dividends. And I thought it was an excellent job by Derek Mason, even though it um, ultimately cost him his job. And that was playing Ken Seals uh, the entire season. Uh, this kid had completed about 65% of his passes, 186 attempts, 288 yards, I'm sorry, 288 completions, uh, 1,928 yards, did have 12 touchdowns, um, and as a young quarterback, turned the ball over way too much uh, with 10 INTs. But here's um, something that's critical for me. He was on the field, um, if you include pass plays and run plays, well over 500 plays. That experience um, will definitely help him going into the 2021 season. And my player to watch is not going to be Ken Seals, though, but if you're going to take a step forward on the offense, you need to have um, a playmaker on your offense that can help out the quarterback. And I'm going to go with uh, Chris Pierce, uh, senior wide receiver, six foot four, 230 pounds. Uh, last season, um, Pierce had 25 receptions, 371 yards receiving. That's about 14.8 uh, yards per receptions and did have five touchdowns. So it's going to be imperative that he helps out his quarterback and continues to get open and make some big plays down the field. Up next will be the Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee's also um, going to be coming into the 2021 season with a new head coach, Josh Heupel, as at the end of the 2020 season, uh, Tennessee let go their head coach, Jeremy Pruitt, after a 3-7 and seven season. Let's take a look at um, the numbers for Tennessee back in 2020. This team averaged 21.5 points per game on offense, good for 12th in the SEC. On average, about 29 pass attempts per game and 18 completions. I was good for about 62.8%, ninth in the SEC. This team could not make any real explosive passing yards, uh, only averaged 204.7 yards per game through the air. That was 12th in the SEC. Ran the ball about 38 times per game, 141.5 yards per game on the ground. I was good for ninth. That's a 3.8 yards per carry. This team uh, ran about 66 plays per game. Um, that was 13th in the conference. Average 346.2 yards per game in total offense, 11th in the SEC. I'll go ahead and jump ahead a little bit. Uh, Tennessee under Josh Heupel would definitely not be uh, towards the bottom in plays uh, ran uh, per game in 2021. Uh, that air raid system that he runs it it will lead them to to run more plays now there's there's a plus and there's a minus to that the more plays you run on offense the more snaps your defense is going to be on the field so we're going to take a look at that Tennessee defense and see how they performed last year under a defensive minded coach this team gave up um 30.1 points per game that was 7th in the SEC team their opponents complete, uh, attempted 31 uh, passes per game, completed 21, 68.2%. That was 13th in the conference. They allowed 265.8 yards per game through the air, 11th. 
Their opponents ran the ball about 39 times per game to the tune of 141.6 yards per game. That was fifth in the SEC, 3.7 yards per carry. So you can see uh, that rush defense was a lot better than that uh, back end secondary. They were on the field for 70 plays per game. Keep that number in mind as we go out, go through the season in 2021. That was eighth in the conference, and they allowed 407.4 yards per game in total offense, seventh in the SEC. We talked about the the the, the philosophy of the, the new incoming head coach, and he's going to need um, the Virginia Tech and uh, transfer quarterback uh, Hayden Hooker, who is my player to watch for for the University of Tennessee. Uh, coming over, like I said, from Virginia Tech last season, uh, Hooker completed 98 out of 150 passes, 65%, 1,339 yards through the air. But here's where he's got to make a major improvement. Nine touchdowns, five INTs. That touchdown to INT ratio, I want that number for college quarterbacks to be about eight to one. Uh, he's not even two to one. So if Tennessee's going to take a step forward, it's definitely going to have to be with this young man performing a lot better than what we saw last year at Virginia Tech. Up next is the South Carolina Gamecocks. Also making a head coaching chain out is Will Muschamp uh, from 2020 incoming uh, Shane Beamer. Yes, son of legendary Virginia Tech head coach uh, Frank Beamer. So we'll see what uh, young Beamer has to work with uh, from the 2020 season under uh, Will Muschamp's um, team. Uh, last year, South Carolina averaged 23.5 points per game. That was good for 10th in the SEC. Attempted about 30 passes per game, completed about 18 um, passes, 59.3%. Definitely have to improve on that number since they were only 12th in the SEC. Passing yards per game, 187.2, 13th in the SEC. Did run the ball effectively behind uh, Mr. Kevin Harris. 37 rush attempts per game, 168 uh, yards per game on the ground. That was good for sixth in the SEC, 4.6 yards per carry. This team ran about 66 plays per game. Expect that number to go up as well with um, uh, Frank Beamer's, um, I'm sorry, Shane Beamer's offense coming in to uh, Columbia. 355.1 yards per game in total offense, good for 10th in the SEC. Let's take a look at their defense. Defense allowed 36 points per game. That was 12th in the SEC. Opponents attempted 29 passes per game, completed 19 of those, 66.6% um, completion percentage allowed. Not good, especially when you have a high-caliber cornerback in J.C. Horn that was just drafted in the NFL. That number uh, put them 11th in the conference. 256.1 yards per game allowed through the air. That was 7th. Uh, opponents ran the ball about 40 times per game, 195.4 yards per game on the ground allowed. That was 13th in the SEC, 4.9 yards per carry. Their opponents ran just right under 69 plays per game. That was 6th in the SEC, 451.5 yards per game allowed. That was good for 10th in the conference. This team brings back the SEC leading uh, rusher. And Kevin Harris, and he will be my player to watch. I want to see how um, Coach Beamer uses uh, this talented running back. Uh, last season, 
Kevin had 185 attempts, 1,338 yards, 6.2 yards per carry, 15 rushing touchdowns, and averaged right at 114 yards per game on the ground. I want to see how his numbers morph, not just as a runner, but I want to get him the ball on some little screens, some little flare out, um, wheel routes, if you will, and just get the ball in his hands. It's not the amount of rush attempts that he has. It's the amount of touches uh, that Kevin Harris has. And once we get into conference play, I want that number to be about 22 to 25 times per game, whether it's 20 rush attempts and five receptions or some combination of the two. Up next will be the Missouri Tigers. Missouri Tigers under first-year head coach Eli Drinkwich coming over from Appalachian State did a tremendous job uh, in his first year in the SEC considering all the uh, COVID uh, restrictions and limitations that we had last year and was able to go 500 um, in a full 10-game conference schedule. So really impressed with the job that I saw Coach uh, Drinkwich do. His offense scored 26.7 points per game. That was good for seventh in the conference. 36 pass attempts, about 25 completions, good for 67.8% completion percentage, fourth in the conference. 266.8 yards per game through the air. That was good for sixth in the conference. Ran the ball 35 times per game. So you can see this team was really balanced. Uh, almost 36 rush um, passing, passing attempts, 35 rushing attempts. They averaged only 135.2 yards per game on the ground. That was only good for 10th, 3.9 yards per carry. So got to get that number up, especially with the quality of back that they're losing in Larry Roundtree, which we'll talk about here at the end of their recap. Team ran about 71 plays per game, good for third in the conference and averaged 402 yards per game in total offense. That was seventh in the SEC. Let's take a look at the uh, Missouri Tiger defense. This defense um, allowed 32.3 points per game. That was good for ninth in the conference. Their opponents uh, had 31 pass attempts per game and completed about 18%, 58.5%. So outstanding job by their secondary. That was second in the SEC. Allowed 245.8 yards per game through the air. That was good for fifth. Their opponents ran the ball 36 times per game, 162.2 yards per game. In the middle of the pack, coming in at 7th in the SEC, 4.5 yards per carry. On the field for about 67 snaps per game, that was good for 3rd. And allowed 408 yards per game in total offense, that was good for 8th in the SEC. As I mentioned, this team is losing um, a very talented running back to the NFL in Larry Roundtree. Roundtree's number last year, 209 attempts, 972 yards, 4.7 yards per carry. But here's the big boy, 14 rushing touchdowns and just coming in under 100 yards per game on the ground at 97.2. So my player to watch is going to be Missouri running back Tyler Beatty. Um, now, Beatty is not the, the pounder that Roundtree was. He's more of your perimeter um Perimeter running back, but this team has got to make up 209 um, rushing attempts and 14 rushing touchdowns. Uh, Beatty, last season, his numbers were 48 attempts, 242 yards, 5 yards per carry, 4 rushing touchdowns. 
So they're going to have to replace that production from Roundtree, and it's going to fall somewhere on the shoulders of Beatty and um, his couple of backups there in Columbia. Coming up next is a team that I've spent a lot of time talking about and want to say hello to my good friend, Miss Cynthia, who is a big Kentucky Wildcat fan. Looking forward to catching up with you and the rest of our SEC family uh, this upcoming season. But let's take a look at um, the Wildcats under head coach Mark Stoops, who's done a really solid job there in realizing the, the past two years as far as the struggles, both from an injury standpoint and a production standpoint from the passing game, could not continue. So what does Coach Stoop do? He goes and brings in Leon Cohen from uh, the L.A. Rams to be the quarterback coach and offensive coordinator. And then he does something that um, Cynthia and I talked about. He hit the transfer portal, and he also recruited a freshman quarterback. So kind of uh, touching uh, that quarterback position um, from both sides of it and bringing in um, – a player that I'm going to talk about at the end of this podcast, but let's take a look back at Kentucky from 2020. This team averaged 21.8 points per game. That's good for 11th in the SEC. 22 pass attempts per game, 13 completions per game. That was good for um, just under 60% at 59.7, 10th in the SEC. 121.5 yards per game through the air absolutely dead last in the SEC, and I mean dead last by quite a bit. Um, South Carolina was the next closest, and they were 66 yards per game better on average per game. So we know that that was a weakness in this team and would definitely need to be upgraded, and I will go ahead and tell you that um, Wondell Robinson uh, transfer from Nebraska would definitely assist in getting that number up. On the ground, this team was absolutely fantastic, led by uh, Chris Rodriguez. Ran the ball about 39 times per game behind that talented offensive line. 196.8 yards per game on the ground. That was third in the SEC, five yards per carry. Fantastic number there. On the field for about 61 and a half plays per game. That was dead last in the SEC. And... Also dead last is uh, their total offense per game, 318.3 yards per game. Like I said, when you cannot make explosive plays in the pass game, you're not going to have a successful offense. And this is why we saw Kentucky only go 5-6 and six last year and not have a much better record. Let's take a look at the Wildcat defense. This defense allowed 25.9 points per game. That was good for fifth in the SEC. Their opponents attempted 32 passes per game and completed 21 of those, good for 66%. Uh, that was good for ninth in the SEC. Here's where you really love this Kentucky defense, and that was on the back end. While they were giving up completions, they weren't giving up yards. 224.6 yards per game in the SEC allowed, tops in the conference. Their rush defense was solid. 37 rush attempts uh, face per game, 156.1 yards per game allowed. It was good for sixth in the SEC, 4.2 yards per carry. This team was on the field for about 70 snaps per game. That was good for seventh and allowed 380.7 yards per game. That was fourth in the SEC in 2020. If you want to know why I 
been so high on this team in the offseason, it was because of the moves that they made from a coaching standpoint, an offensive philosophy standpoint, infusing this team with some more talent, and behind one of the best offensive lines in the country, not just the SEC, think could bode really well for the Kentucky Wildcats in 2021. My player to watch, and he's going to be the trigger man behind uh, this success if they're able to have it, and that's the Penn State transfer, Will Levis. Uh, Levis, in some limited action last year for uh, Penn State, 33 completions, 55 attempts, good for 60%. 421 yards, did have just the one touchdown, no INTs. So he's going to be surrounded, like I said, by some really good returning talent in Wandale Robinson, uh, Josh Ali. Uh, Cleveland Thompson. Also, really like the tight end, uh, Justin Riggs, uh, down in the red zone. Six foot six, 260 pound uh, tight end. Matchup nightmare. And if, you, if you're if you flexing out and opening up the field, um, you could throw some nice uh, little tight end um, jump balls and put more. Uh, touchdowns on the board instead of kicking field goals. So that's my outlook on the Kentucky Wildcats and really interested to see how this team is going to play in 2021. Up next is the Georgia Bulldogs. The Bulldogs last year finished with a record of eight and two overall, winning their bowl, bowl game on a last second kick against Cincinnati. And Really what we see with Georgia, and we've seen it for the time that Kirby Smart's been there, this team is going to be stout on the defensive line, and especially if you are a run-based offense, it's going to be a long day at the office. Offense is where we got to have some more things addressed, and we're going to look at the 2020 numbers and see where we can kind of help this team get over the hump as far as some of their numbers go. Georgia averaged uh, behind um, the three quarterbacks that played, Dewan Mathis, uh, Stetson Bennett, and JT Daniels played the last three games of the regular season and uh, the bowl game. This team still averaged 32.3 points per game. That was good for fifth in the SEC. This team attempted right under 31 pass attempts per game, a tick below 18 completions per game, only 58.2%. Now, this is a major improvement, and I think JT Daniels would definitely help uh, get that number up for sure. 58.2% uh, completion percentage. That was good for 14th debt last in the conference. Passing yards per game, uh, right at about 250 yards per game passing. That was good for seventh. Rushing, this team attempted about 38 rush attempts per game, 174.2 yards per game on the ground. That was good for fifth, 4.6 yards per carry. This team averaged about 68 plays per game. That was ninth in the conference to the tune of 421.4 yards per game in total offense. That was good for sixth in the SEC. These numbers are going to improve. To what tune? We'll have to find out, but the I, I I fully expect this team not to be dead last in completion percentage going into 2021. 
the point per game jump will have to be a direct result of that. If this team wants to compete for and win a national championship, averaging 32 points per game, they're going to need to be around that 39 points per game. And you say that's not a big difference. A touchdown, an additional touchdown scored in every game is a huge, huge difference. Let's take a look at the Georgia defense. This Georgia defense is everything that we would expect under un, under Kirby Smart. Allowed 20 points per game. That's good for second in the SEC, only behind Alabama. Their opponents, and this is where um, a huge red flag on the Georgia Bulldog defense is, and it is the secondary. 36 um, attempts by the opponent. Completed 24 of those 65.7% completion percentage. That was eighth in the SEC. Allowed 248.7 yards per game through the air. That was good for six. Now the rush defense, rush defense was absolutely phenomenal. 30 rushing attempts by their opponents, only 72.3 yards per game. Absolutely the best in the conference. The next closest uh, was 20 yards more per game, and that was the Texas A&M Aggies. 2.4 yards per carry. Once again, fantastic. Was on the field for 66 um, uh, snaps per game and allowed the second uh, best um, total yards per game defensively, and that was 321. Only Texas A&M was better at 317. So where does Georgia need to improve in 2021? It's quite simple. Finishing drives with touchdowns. I talked about needing to average an additional touchdown per game to get that number up to almost 40 points per game. You have to do so by finishing drives with touchdowns. If Georgia is able to do that and do that consistently in games that matter on their schedule in 2021, we're talking about the season opener versus Clemson. We're talking about the cocktail party with Florida. Those two games, this team must step up and put that kind of point production on the board. And our last team for the SEC East, and that's the reigning division champion, the Florida Gators. Florida Gators had a phenomenal season last year. And finished the season eight and four, but we have to take a step back and, and, and see where this team was and where they ultimately got to. Now, yes, they did lose their last um, last three contests against LSU, against Alabama in the uh, SEC championship game, and then that bowl game against Oklahoma, where. We're still hearing Oklahoma fans tell tell us about how they dominated the last SEC team that they faced. So let's jump into Florida. 39.8 points per game, second in the SEC, only behind Alabama's 48.5. This team attempted 39 passes per game, completed right around 27 attempts, 67.9% completion percentage. That was third in the SEC. This was the number one passing offense in the conference, 378.6 yards per game through the air. 
This team could not run the ball. 31 rush attempts per game, only 131.3 yards per game on the ground. That was 11th in the conference, 4.3 yards per carry. This team averaged about 70 plays per game. That was fourth in the SEC and come came in with the third best um, total offense at 509.8 yards per game. Kyle Trask, the trigger man. Kadarius Toney. First round pick in the NFL. The unicorn, Kyle Pitts. Top 10 pick in the NFL draft. A generational tight end, if you will. This team lost also Trayvon Grimes on the offense. We'll take a look at their defense, and then we're going to really break down this Florida Gators 2021 team. This defense allowed 30.8 points per game. That was eighth in the SEC. Their opponents, 33 pass attempts per game. 21 uh, completions, 64.1%. That was good for sixth in the SEC. 257.8 yards per game allowed through the air. That was eighth in the SEC. Their opponents ran the ball 37 times a game, 170.5 yards per game. That's 10th in the SEC. 4.6 yards per carry. On the field for just under 71 plays per game, that was 10th, and allowed 428 yards per game in total offense by their opponents. That was 9th in the conference. We talked about what this team lost on the offense. They also lose a couple of guys uh, to the defense. Marco Wilson, Slayton, Davis, uh Brad Stewart graduates. So let's take a look at what comes back on the defense. And I'll get to the offense here in just a moment because there's some question marks about that offense. So I'm not just going to have one player or one group to watch out for for Florida. I'm going to name out several here because it's going to be very significant. And I'm going to start there in the secondary. You heard their numbers as far as what they allowed. We know Kyra Elam is a a top top flight cornerback but the player to watch for me in the secondary will be opposite of him in Jadon Hill let me tell you guys right now this young man is going to have a gigantic bullseye right in the middle of his chest because now it's not the teams are going to shy away from attacking Elam but they are going to target this kid all season long and they're going to force him to step up and say, can you play SEC caliber uh, cornerback position? If you can't, this team is going to struggle. I've heard Brendan Cox talk all season long about what he expects to, to do in 2021. Let me give you what he did in 2020, and you tell me if he's going to make that kind of jump. Cox. had 41 total tackles. Nine and a half of those were tackles for loss. Okay, pretty good. His sacks. He had four sacks last year, and he talk, he's talking like he's going to lead the SEC in uh, sacks this season. So you got to make a long jump before you're Kevin Carter 
or Javon Curse. Let's see if you can, can produce those numbers. Emory Jones is now the quarterback at the University of Florida. In limited action last year, we're going to look at both his passing numbers and his rush numbers because he's going to have to improve tremendously. Last year, 18 completions, 32 attempts, 56% completion percentage. That is 13 points less than where Kyle Trask was last year. Kyle Trask had 43 passing touchdowns to eight INTs. That's a really good INT to, I mean, touchdown to INT ratio. Emory Jones had 221 yards passing, two touchdowns, one INT. Now, here's what Florida Florida Gator uh, fans are telling me. Well, Emory Jones, Jones is this great runner. Okay, let's take a look. Uh, 32 attempts last year, 217 yards on the ground, 6.8 yards per carry. Respectable. If you think that Emory Jones is going to run the run the ball similar to what Dak Prescott and Tim Tebow did in this offense. He's not. Emory Jones is six foot two, about 210, 215. Dak Prescott and Tebow were in that 235 range. You run this guy in, in between the tackles like they did on those quarterback power runs, he is not going to survive the entire season. Can this Florida rushing attack make up for the production that they lost at the quarterback and the wide receiver position? If the answer is no, this team is going to take a major step back on the offense. If this defense cannot perform better in the secondary, they're going to continue to give up 35, 37, in some cases 40 points on the defensive side. This is going to be a very make-or-break year for Dan Mullen, Todd Grantham, Billy Gillespie. Uh, that's the head coach, defensive coordinator, and offensive coordinator for the University of Florida, respectively. Coming up after the break, we're going to break down the SEC West. Stay with us. Head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of our good friend David Walker's book, I'll Tell You When You're Good. This is the incredible story of Walker's demanding, provocative, bitterly fought career, and the most miraculous comeback of all time. Now the hardest fighting fight in Texas Aggie ever lived reveals his life as the on-field general inside the cold-blooded arena of college football. Join fans now in discovering the most disturbingly fascinating career in NCAA history with the youngster who lived it, including unique stories of a superb high school coach and the all-time game-changers for Aggie football, the Wishbone Gang. Walker is the only college-level quarterback to ever publish a book based on his experiences in amateur athletics, and remains the youngest starting college athlete ever. He held the single-season passing record at Sulphur High for 40 years and the single-game QB rushing record at Texas on for 35 years, a true dual-threat quarterback. Enjoy the flavor of Southwest Louisiana and the adopted Texas swagger in his unique voice as he takes you down a one-of-a-kind path you could never imagine possible in the modern era of college football. In so doing you will uncover what may be the greatest amateur sports story of all time. We are pleased to be partnered with our dear friend Rachel Barbeau and her organization I'm Changing the Narrative. The mission of I'm Changing the Narrative is to promote positive mental health and good love for yourself and others to serve as an inspiration for students, professionals and parents to create an individual legacy of purpose, passion and platform. Rachel speaks to athletes about taking back the headlines for good, showing them that they have the power to change the narrative and to find their purpose in life outside of their sport. To live lives of purpose, passion and platform. 
Just like her inspiration, Alabama and NFL star, Kevin Turner did before he succumbed to ALS and CTE. For more information please visit www.iamchangingthenarrative.org. The Rebel Walk is your source for the best coverage of Ole Miss sports. You can follow our good friend, Ole Miss Evie on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie, and you can follow The Rebel Walk on Twitter at The Rebel Walk. Be sure to check out their website at www.therebelwalk.com. And welcome back as we um, finish up this uh, podcast series and this SEC podcast with the SEC West. And we're going to start with the Arkansas Razorbacks. I'm the first-year head coach, Sam Pittman, and there's not a more respected um, offensive line coach or head coach now than, than Coach Pittman. Taking over Arkansas was going to be a challenge, and um, with the record of 3-7 and seven in 2020, what Coach Pittman was able to do was to plant um, a really good foundation in 2020. And hopefully for the Arkansas faithful, we'll give Coach Pittman time to, to rebuild, that, uh, rebuild that program and see it through. This was not going to be a quick fix. And for Coach Pittman's sake and for all of those that love the uh, Razorback program, give him time because this man can definitely get the job done. Let's take a look back at the 2020 season for uh, the Razorbacks. This team averaged 25.7 points per game. That was eighth in the SEC. 28 uh, pass attempts, 18 completions, good for 64.4%. That was sixth in the conference. Uh, passing yards per game, 240.2. It's good for eighth in the conference. 39 rush attempts, 151.3 yards per game on the ground. That was eighth in the conference. 3.8 yards per yards per carry. Team ran about 68 per, uh, 68 plays per game. That was 10th in the conference. I expect that number to go up in year two under second-year offensive coordinator Kendall Browse, who runs that, um, won't call it an air raid offense, I'll call it a tempo offense. And it has principles of the air raid, uh, but it has much more of a rushing attack to it. And you're going to see that influence as long as Sam Pittman as the head coach, you will run the ball. Unlike the air rate we see under Mike Leach, where it is 90 to 95% run. This team is going to be a little bit more balanced. I do expect in 2021 to see more pass attempts, but not to where it's going to skew um, completely against that run game. This team also, Total offense, um, middle of the pack in the SEC, eighth at 391.5 yards per game. Let's take a look at the Razorback defense. This defense allowed uh, 34.9 points per game. That was 10th in the conference. Got to improve on the uh, secondary play. 38 pass attempts, two, I'm sorry. Yeah, 38 pass attempts, 25 completions by their opponent, 66.3%. Skill for 11th in the conference, allowed 259.6 yards per game through the air. Skill for 9th in the SEC. Their opponents ran the ball right around 42 times per game, 192.1 yards per game on the ground. That was good for 12th in the SEC. Coach Pittman is definitely going to want to see 
uh, Barry Odom, his defensive coordinator, uh, buttoned up both of those numbers as far as in the secondary and in the front seven. 4.6 yards per carry allowed. This team was on the field for way too many, way too many plays. Right at 80 plays per game, their opponents ran. That was dead last in the SEC. This is how you give up um, some of those numbers where your defense just can't get off the field. They also allowed uh, their opponents 451.7 yards per game in total offense. That was good for 11th in the SEC. For me, it, it doesn't start with a player. It starts with a position group. And that position group is the Arkansas front four. We talked about getting off the field. So whether it's Gregory, whether it's Williams, Miller, Carter, Jackson, Nichols, um, these guys that are going to play on that defensive line have to be more stout in forcing their opponents into longer uh, third down attempts and then getting off the field. If not, this defense is not going to improve and this um, team's winning uh, percentage is not going to improve. Coming up next is the Mississippi State Bulldogs under first, uh, under second year now head coach in Mike Leach. Coach Leach, um, after a uh, successful run at Texas Tech, a very disappointing um, almost eight years in uh, Pullman as the head coach of Washington State, makes the jump from the Pac-12 North to the SEC West. Let's take a look at um, what Coach Leach did in his first year, going four and seven, um, did win their win their uh, bowl game, but like I said, three and seven in conference play. So that's where we're going to really kind of focus some of our attention on. In those eleven games, this Mississippi State offense, under the offensive genius, air quotes sarcasm. This team averaged 21.4 points per game on offense. That was 13th in the SEC. Only Vanderbilt was worse. This team, and this is what we can expect from them, so I want you to, to, to really highlight these numbers in your mind going into 2021. This team attempted almost 51 pass plays per game, completed about 34 um, of those passes, good for 67%. Because of the offense, short, very quick uh, routes, no matter who Mike Leach's quarterback is, they should complete in the mid-60s, even 70% of their passes just because of the style of offense. This team averaged 296.3 yards per game in the air. Put a circle around that number. That was good for fifth in the conference. This team only ran the ball 18 and a half times per game, 43.9 yards per game on the ground. I don't have to tell you that was dead last, but I will. 2.4 yards per carry. About 69 plays per game. That was middle of the pack, about seventh in the conference. And as far as total offense, 340.2 yards per game in total offense. 12th in the SEC. Let's take a look at that Bulldog defense. Mississippi State defense allowed 28.1 points per game. That was good for 6th in the conference. 
Their opponents attempted 35 passes per game, completed about 22 of those passes, 61.7%. That was fourth in the SEC. 263.4 yards per game allowed through the air. That was 10th in the conference. Their opponents, 35.5 rushing attempts per game, 126.4 yards per game. That was fourth in the SEC, so absolutely fantastic job by their defensive front. 3.6 yards per carry. On the field for 71 plays per game, that was 11th and allowed 389.7 yards per game. That was good for fifth. So this Mississippi State defense actually helped out the offense quite a bit. Now, we know that this team uh, really started turning the ball over uh, after that um, tremendous air show that they put on against LSU. We saw a major, major regression as far as what they were able to do for for point uh, points per game. And the player to watch will be uh, incoming transfer from Southern Miss, and that's Jack Abraham. Uh, Abraham last year for Southern Miss completed 65% of his passes, 1,224 yards, seven touchdowns, four INTs. So he's going to have to clean up his uh, touchdown to INT ratio if this team is going to climb out of the basement of the SEC West. Up next is the Auburn Tigers. Auburn is replacing their head coach, Gus Malzahn, and bringing in Boise State head coach, Brian Harson. Harson has a huge task in front of him, and that is solving the quarterback position since that was something that Coach Malzahn wasn't able to do uh, his last couple of years for the University of Auburn. This team finished 6-5 and five on the season, and let's take a look back at uh, what this team was able to do from an offensive and a defensive standpoint. Average 25.1 points per game. That was ninth in the conference. Attempted about 32 passes per game and completed about 20 of those, 59.7% completion percentage. That was 10th in the conference, 220 0.3 yards per game through the air. That was 10th in the conference. The rushing attack, let's round it up to 36 rushing attempts per game and 163 uh, yards per game on the ground. That was good for 7th in the conference, 4.6 yards per carry. This team ran about, well, let's round it up, 69 plays per game on the offensive side. That was 8th in the conference. And their total offense, 382.8 yards per game. That was ninth in the SEC. The Auburn Tiger defense, 24.7 points per game allowed. That was fourth in the SEC. Fantastic job there. Their opponents, 33 attempts, 21 completions, 64.6%. That was seventh in the conference. Led by that fantastic secondary, this team allowed 242.6 yards per game through the air. That was fourth in the conference. Their opponents, 39 rush attempts, 163.4 yards per game on the ground allowed. That was eighth in the conference, 4.2 yards per carry. Uh, their opponents ran about 72 plays per game. That was 12th, allowed 406 yards per game in total offense. That was 
good for sixth in the conference. Auburn has two major questions that they have to answer in 2021. Can this front seven stop the run game? Kobe Wooten, Jay Harden, Walker, Truesdale, Burks, Moultrie. If you can't do a better job and stand up against the run game in this conference, considering who you're going to have to play, you're going to face out of conference a Penn State team that's going to try to run the ball right down your throat. You know George is going to try to run the ball down your throat. Ole Miss, LSU, Texas A&M, South Carolina, and Alabama all will have a similar game plan, and that is testing your defensive front and what kind of football courage do you have. Because if you can't stop the run in this conference, you're just going to get a steady dose of it and another dose and another dose until they beat you into submission. On the offensive side, Bo Nix. Bo Nick's first three games will determine the rest of the season for the Auburn Tigers. For me, there's only one of two scenarios. Bo Nix plays horrible and either is pulled or stays in because of what his last name means to the Auburn program. Or after the Penn State game in week three, he's benched for either transfer T.J. Finley from LSU or um, incoming freshman uh, Demetrius Davis um, taking over at the quarterback position. Let's take a look at Bo Nix's numbers. And I'm going to highlight what's really terrifying about how bad these numbers are. Yes, Bo Nix completed 60% of his passes. Bo Nix, 214 completions, 357 attempts. 2,415 yards passing. 12 touchdowns, 7 INTs. And he did this with a veteran wide receiving core. Seth Williams. Gone, NFL. Anthony Schwartz, gone, NFL. Eli Stove, graduated. They have no returning wide receiver that has any meaningful uh, statistics from 2020. Their leading returning receiver is running back Tank Bigsby with 11 receptions for 84 yards receiving. He's their leading returning wide uh, receiving threat. Their next returning receiver is his backup at the running back position, Sean Shivers. 10 receptions, 55 yards. That's the returning production that Bo Nix has got to work with. Up next, the Ole Miss Rebels under first-year head coach Lane Train Kiffin. We know uh, Coach Kiffin got off to a rough start in his coaching tenure, uh, spending just the one year at Tennessee. The uh, four 
um, up and down years at USC. Got right as the Alabama offensive coordinator. Took the head coaching job at Florida Atlantic, where he really did a tremendous job there and led Ole Miss to a 5-5 five and five season in his first year in Oxford. Want to say hello to my good friend, Ole Miss Evie. My good friends, Miss Kathy, Miss Donna. Hopefully you ladies are enjoying this podcast and look forward to catching up with you ladies sometime this, during this season. Can't thank you again for all of your support. And you know that you ladies in the Rebel uh, Walk, uh, which is Evie's site, the best um, site for all things Ole Miss. You can follow Evie on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie and the Rebel Walk on Twitter at The Rebel Walk. Let's jump into Ole Miss's season here and see what do we have. This offense under Lane Kiffin is everything that you would expect an offense to be under Coach Kiffin. 39.2 points per game, third in the SEC, behind only Florida and Alabama. Let's round it up. 34 uh, pass attempts per game, 24 completions, 71%. That was second in the SEC, only behind Alabama in that, in that uh, category. 344.9 yards per game through the air. That was third in the conference, only behind Alabama and Florida. 46 rush attempts per game, 211 yards per game on the ground. That was tops in the SEC, 4.6 yards per carry. This team ran about 80 snaps per game. That was number one in the SEC, and they had the number one uh, total offense in the SEC, 555.9 yards per game. If this team can limit the turnovers by Matt Corral, play better defense, this team in 2021 could absolutely be special. But let's take a look at those defensive numbers because there is a lot of opportunity there for improvement. 38.3 points per game allowed. That was dead last in the SEC. 39 um, pass attempts by their opponent. Completed 26 of those attempts per game. 68% allowed. It's 12th in the SEC. Allowed 312 yards per game passing by their opponents. Next to last in the SEC. Their opponents ran the ball 39 times per game. 207 yards per game allowed. That's dead last in the SEC. 5.3 yards per carry allowed. 78 plays per game uh, ran by their opponents. That was next to last in the SEC, and this team was dead last on total yards allowed at 519 yards per game by their opponents. I'm not talking about Matt Corral. We know what to expect out of Matt Corral. Like I said, limit the turnovers, 29 touchdowns, 14 19s. Clean that up, Matt. That's all I'm going to say to that number. Can't have games where you're throwing six interceptions, five interceptions. Cannot do it. I'm not talking about anything this offense needs to do besides that. Lane, let's clean up the red zone. Um, some of your play calling, some of your tendencies. We go back too many years, um, Coach. You got to do better, and I think you've already talked about that in some of your press conference. Clean that up. My group to watch 
for Ole Miss would be quite simple, and that is the defensive front. This is a line of scrimmage lead. The front seven has to play better. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. You cannot allow over 200 yards per game rushing to your opponents. They would dictate to you how the rest of the game is played if they're able to control the clock like that. So, Sam Williams, Johnson, Iton, Gordon, Robinson, Campbell, Jones, Battle, Jordan, Henry, Tisdale, Bivens, Momo. You guys have got to perform better. I mean, I'm not even going to get to the secondary. It starts right there up front with this front seven. You guys play better, generate some turnovers, play opportunistic defense. And what do I mean by that? Giving up three instead of seven. Forcing a missed field goal instead of that team converting that field goal. Opportunistic defense. And you definitely got to you got to generate more havoc plays, and and we'll talk about that throughout the season. But that's the steps that you're going to have to take in 2021. The next two teams are going to be the most interesting teams to talk about as far as both 2021 and 2020, and we're going to start with the Texas A&M Aggies. The Aggies under Jimbo Fisher enter a very pivotal and pressure-packed season. This is Jimbo's fourth year at uh, Texas A&M, so this is now his roster from top to bottom. Kellerman gone, and this is Jimbo's first major decision as the head coach of Texas A&M, and that's who's going to be the starting quarterback, Haynes King or Zach Calzada. Jimbo Fisher, you get this right, it could pay huge dividends for your team in 21. You get it wrong, it could be to the detriment for your long-term future there at Texas A&M. Let's take a look back at the Aggies in 2020. This team averaged 32.6 points per game. That was good for fourth in the SEC. 30 attempts, 19 completions, 62.9%. That was eighth in the conference. 234.1 yards per game through the air. That was ninth. This rush attack um, led by Isaiah Spiller was absolutely phenomenal. About 38 rush attempts per game, 205 yards per game on the ground. That offensive line at Texas A&M was as good as anybody's in the country. We'll talk about that here after we finish up their recap. 5.5 yards per carry. 68 plays per game on offense. That was 11th in the conference. Total offense comes in fourth at 439.3 yards per game. Let's take a look at this Aggie defense, and I can't emphasize enough the job that Mike Elko has done uh, building up this uh, Texas A&M defense. Just a tremendous job in 2021. Let's take a look at some of those numbers and see just how fantastic they really were. This team allowed 21.7 points per game. That was third in the conference. Their opponents, 39, I'm sorry, 31 pass attempts, 
20 completions, 63.2%. That was good for fifth. The secondary were traffic cops like you want them to be in the secondary. 225.3 yards per game allowed. That was second in the SEC. This rush defense was just as bit of just as good as Georgia was. 28 rush attempts by their opponents, 92 yards per game allowed. Second only behind Georgia, 3.3 yards per carry. This team was only on the field for 59 plays per game, number one in the SEC. That is getting it done. That's not allowing your opponents to have long drives, and you could keep your defense fresh. This team um, was number one in total, total yards allowed at 317.3 yards per game. My unit to watch will be the offensive line for Texas A&M. You talked about, I just talked about how great of a job that they did last year leading that uh, Texas A&M run game. This team will have five new starters on the offensive line because moving over to play left tackle is uh, Kenyon Green, played left guard there last year. This is a bona fide first round pick at the, at the next year's uh, NFL draft. I mean, he's everything that you would want in a, in a starting left tackle or kicking over to the right tackle in, at the NFL level. The other four starting spots will be um, up for grabs. We're going to project out their starting offensive line to be uh, this way. Left guard is going to be up for, for grabs, but we think uh, Blake Trainer may slide over and play that guard spot. think coming over to play center would be Luke Matthews. Yes, of the, of the famous Matthews uh, family, uh, Bruce and Clay, uh, played in the NFL for a long, long time. So here's the next uh, Matthews to come through Texas A&M. Jameer Johnson, the uh, transfer from Tennessee, uh, we think he's going to anchor that left tackle spot and playing, I'm sorry, that right tackle spot. And Layden Robinson, we're projecting him to be that right guard. Now, what works in A&M's favor is they have a few games to figure out their offensive line. And that's going to be very significant because of what comes up October 9th. October 9th, they face Alabama. So it's very important that this team has their offensive line um, ready for that matchup in College Station. Now, their first five opponents will be in this order. September 4th versus Kent State. September 11th um, in Colorado. Now, this game won't be in Boulder. It'll be in Denver, but still an altitude game. Then they come back home to face New Mexico. Uh, they'll play uh, Arkansas in Arlington in that neutral site game. And then uh, the last game before Alabama will be a home contest versus Mississippi State. This team will need to settle down that offensive line. 
Now, what's working in um, whoever the quarterback's favor is going to be is you're throwing to a projected first, if not early second round pick in Jalen Watermeyer. He's my um, top returning tight end in the SEC, six foot five, about 260 pound tight end. I think this man, I think this young man projects very well, not only in, at the college level, but at the NFL level. Can this defense hold up to the same standard that they were in 2020? If so, it's going to give this A&M team time to figure out what they're going to be as far as an offensive standpoint. Up next is the LSU Tigers. I want to say hello to my good friend Blake Rafino of AYS Sports. Um, Blake does a great job of covering uh, the LSU Tigers. And I'm sorry that I didn't mention this earlier. So, uh, a, a huge shout out to my good friend uh, Gator Dave. Uh, you can follow Dave on Twitter um, at Gator Dave underscore SEC and his tremendous site, The Gators Breakdown. I can't thank both of them, uh, both Blake, both Dave, along with Evie. They've been tremendous uh, supporters uh, for the show, and you've heard them um, last season on the podcast, and definitely hope to have them back on in 2021. Let's jump into this LSU Tiger team, because if you've heard me on the radio, if you've heard me on these podcasts, if you've uh, seen some of the write-ups I've had on Twitter, I've been extremely critical of this LSU team, and it's for good reason, so I want to address that here. Because of the standard that I hold LSU to, this team should be competing for national championships, not going five and five. COVID, no COVID. Your roster is too talented to have a record of five and five. So let's take a look at, from a statistical standpoint, why this team struggled the way that it did last year and some of the things that's going to have to be cleaned up on the field for this team to improve in 2021. LSU's offense was not as bad as people think it is. This team averaged 32 points per game. That was good for six in the SEC. This team attempted 42 uh, pass attempts per game and completed about 25 of those passes, 58.7%. Now, when you play three quarterbacks, uh, you could see some, some spike in those numbers, but whichever quarterback played last year, neither, neither one of the three did a really good job as far as completing passes. Um, T.J. Finley was at 57%. Miles Brennan was at 60%. Max Johnson was at 59%. So it wasn't just one quarterback doing really well and the other struggling. It was all three of them not completing a high percentage of their passes. This team did, however, make explosive pass plays. 312.2 yards per game through the air. That was good for fourth in the conference. This team couldn't run the ball to save their lives. 37 rush attempts per game. 121.7 yards per game on the ground. That was 12th in the SEC, 3.3 yards per carry. This is not to LSU standard, and anybody that's been in or around that program would, would acknowledge that. 79 
offensive plays per game. I was second in the conference, 433.9 yards per game. That was good for fifth. This team put up points. This team was really good passing the ball. Needs to get better completing passes. And those uh, passing numbers will, will go up even further. LSU has to run the ball. And that starts with your offensive line. Now, they lose uh, Dar Rosenthal uh, transferring to uh, the University of Kentucky. His replacement, in all likelihood, would be Cameron Ware playing that left tackle spot. It, it, you, you, it starts with you, young man. Uh, Ed Ingram, Shanahan, Hines, Deluxius. Um, if you guys can't um, run block better than what you did, I don't care how good your, your pass game is. You're not going to compensate for that in this this conference. You could get away with that in the Big 12, in the Pac-12. Can't get away with it in the SEC. Now, here's where this team has got to make significant uh, improvements. And that's on the defensive side of the ball. This team allowed right at 35 points per game, 34.9. That was 10th in the SEC. Now, we got a mixed bag as far as what their secondary was. And I'm going to go through that right now. Opponents, 33 complete, uh, thirty-three attempts, right at 20 completions per game. 59.6% uh, completion. That was third in the SEC. But what numbers do not correlate with is this next number. This defense allowed 323 yards per game through the air. That was dead last in the SEC. Let me say that again. A team that wants to be recognized as DBU had the worst secondary in the SEC. Worse than Ole Miss. Worse than Vanderbilt. Worse than Tennessee. You had a horrible, you had a horrible performance by the secondary. This rush defense wasn't much better. Thirty-five rush attempts by the opponents, one hundred and sixty-nine yards per game allowed on the ground. That was ninth in the conference, four point nine yards per carry. Opponents could get it however they wanted to get it through the air or on the ground. Sixty-eight uh, plays by the opponents' offense. That was fifth in the SEC. And total defense allowed 492.1 yards per game. That was 13th in the SEC. I don't have players to watch. I don't have um, pos positions, groups to watch. I'm going right to the heart of the matter. Ed Orgeron, outside of that magical season of 2019, what your record is as a head coach. And for those of you that want to look that number up and fact check me, please go right ahead. Ed Orgeron, as a head coach, has not gotten the job done. And this is a very important year for Coach O. Because if you take out that 15-0 and 0 record, as the LSU head coach, 
Ed Orgeron is 30 wins and 14 losses. That's his record. You stand on your record. So this is a big year for Ed. Now, what Ed is doing, he's going all in. Jake Peets, the offense of coordinator, spent a cup of coffee with um, Joe Brady um, with the Carolina Panthers as a running backs coach. He's being brought back in to run the Joe Brady offense from 2019. Durante Jones comes in from the NFL uh, where he spent the last five years, uh, two of those uh, as the assistant defensive back coach with the Miami Dolphins, two with the Cincinnati Bengals as their cornerbacks coach, and his last year with the Minnesota Vikings as their defensive backs coach. Position coach in the secondary. So, this will be his first time calling a defense, and he's not going to have much time to get his feet under him looking at looking at the LSU schedule. This team has the potential, has the talent to be a 10-win team. This team also has the inconsistency and question marks, both at the coaching, at the quarterback, and at the defensive level to go eight and four, seven, six wins. This team could be in for a catastrophic season as well as a as as a renaissance season. That's why the Vegas set the lines at where they set them at, because we don't have enough faith and trust in Ed Orgeron. That comes from a lot of my friends in the desert when we're setting numbers for LSU as far as their win total. Up next is the reigning SEC West. SEC and national champion, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Led by head coach Nick Saban, who enters his 15th campaign at the University of Alabama. Nick has already passed legendary head coach Paul Bear Bryant as the greatest college football coach at Alabama, in the SEC, and of all of college football. That is no longer for debate. This man has seven national championships, six at Alabama, one at LSU. His resume stands the test of time. We know what Bama's record was last year, going a perfect 13-0, and 0, the first team to play and win all 10 conference games. Um, a hard-fought victory against the Florida Gators in the SEC championship game. Handling Notre Dame and absolutely taking Ohio State behind the woodshed for the national championship, winning that game 52-24.
So you expect this Alabama offensive numbers to look really good. Let's get into it. This team led by um, Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith, first-round pick Najee Harris, first-round pick Mac Jones. We know at the offensive line, uh, they lose as far as that leadership and production. And Christian Ballmore, who came on late in the season, and top cornerback Patrick Sartain. All of these guys are now in the NFL. We'll talk about the, the areas where Alabama is going to need to improve. But 48.5 points per game, first in the SEC. 32, well, let's round it up. 33 pass attempts per game, 25 completions, 76.2% completion percentage. That was tops in the SEC, led by um, former offensive coordinator and now University of Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian. This team averaged 358.2 yards per game through the air. That was second, only behind that Florida Gator offense we talked about. This rushing attack was also phenomenal. 37 rush attempts per game, 383.6 yards per game. That was fourth in the ACC, 5.0 yards per carry. This team ran about 69 plays per game. That was good for sixth and 541.8 yards per game in total offense. That was second in the SEC. Let's take a look at that Alabama defense led by defensive coordinator Pete Golding. Pete Golding has heard it from the Alabama fan base about how they want this team to improve on the defensive side of the ball. Make no mistake, this Alabama defense was top of the top of the charts as far as what they did in conference play last year. SEC best points per game allowed, because that's where your, your bread is buttered. 19.4 points per game allowed. Their opponents, 36 pass attempts, 21 completions, 58.1% completion percentage, number one in the SEC. 239.2 yards per game allowed by their opponents, third in the SEC. Their opponent's rush game, 34 rush attempts, 113.1 yards per game allowed, third in the SEC, 3.3 yards per game allowed. Alabama fans, zip it. Pete Golding is a top defensive coordinator. These numbers spell it out. 70 plays per game faced, that was eighth in the SEC, 352.2 two yards per game allowed. That was third in the SEC behind Georgia, behind Texas A&M. There's nothing more that you could ask for or hope for for this Alabama defense. They stood up and got the job done when they needed to. I don't want to hear about that Ole Miss game. Ole Miss hung those kind of numbers on every team that they played last year. When this team needed to, it bolt their backs on the defensive side of the ball they got off the field, got the ball back to that high-powered offense, put up points. That's what you want your defense to do. So you're going to say that I don't have any um, areas of concern for this 2021 team for the Alabama Crimson Tide. To quote um, our good friend Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. This Alabama team has a, a couple of question marks for me. 
No, Bryce Young is not one of those question marks. I expect Bryce Young to be everything that he was coming out of high school, uh, the number one rated quarterback in his class, uh, playing at a big-time program that he played in in Southern California. This kid is not going to be afraid of the bright lights in the big city. The question marks for me will, will start on that defensive, defensive line. In the past two years, Alabama has put um, two top-level defensive tackles in the NFL draft. That's Quinn Williams uh, with the New York Jets, and last year uh, going in the um, going in the draft to the New uh, New England Patriots, uh, Christian Barmore. Who's going to step up and man that uh, defensive line for the University of Alabama this year? LeBron Ray, who has been injury prone uh, during his time at the University of Alabama, is projected to be um, as healthy as he's been since uh, arriving there at the capstone. Tim Smith, DJ Dale, Phil Mathis, Bryant Young, um, Burroughs. Can one of you step up? and feel that void that we, we saw down the stretch with Christian Baltimore. It's not so much just the sacks, it's controlling the line of scrimmage and allowing what may be the best linebacking core that I've seen in college football since those 1990 hurricane teams. So that's my question for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast series of the SEC. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at CrunchTimeVIP and also visit our website at www.thecrunchtimesportsadvantage.com. For Kenneth, Summer, Billy, and Brittany, have a great night and all aboard.